Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he married. For he married a Cushite woman. They said, Does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord descended on a pillar. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, he said, Listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord's anger burned against them, and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned toward her, he saw that she was diseased and said to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten when he comes out of his mother's womb. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses, If her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on until Miriam was brought back in. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Numbers chapter 13. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of their ancestral tribes. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. All the men were leaders in Israel. 
This, these were their names. Shemua, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Reuben. Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Simeon. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Judah. Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Issachar. Hosea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Ephraim. Palti, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Benjamin. Gadiel, son of Sodi, from the tribe of Zebulun. Gadi, son of Susi, from the tribe of Manasseh, from the tribe of Joseph. Amiel, son of Jemali, from the tran- from the tribe of Dan. Sether, son of Michael, from the tribe of Asher. Nabi, son of Vapshi, from the tribe of Naphtali. Yeuel, son of Maki, from the tribe of Gad. These were the names of the men Moses sent to scout out the land. And Moses renamed Hosea, son of Nun, Joshua. When Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, Go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are the trees in it? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and scouted the land from which. So they went up and scouted the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of. Hamath, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were living. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they came to the valley of Eskol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes which was carried on a pole by two men. They also took some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eskol. Because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at 
Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hethites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Psalm 49. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen to the inhabitant. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who inhabit the world both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth speaks wisdom. My heart's meditation brings understanding. I turn my ear to a proverb. I explain my riddle with a leer. Why should I fear in times of trouble? The iniquity of my foes surrounds me. They trust in their wealth and boast of their abundant riches. Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God. Since the price of redeeming him is too costly, one should forever stop trying so that he may live forever and not see the pit For one can see that wise men die. Foolish and stupid men also pass away. Then they leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their eternal homes. Their homes from generation to generation. Though they have named estates after themselves. But despite his assets, man will not last. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are arrogant and of their followers who approve of their words. Like sheep they are headed for Sheol 
death will shepherd them. The upright will rule over them in the morning, and their form will waste away in Sheol, far from their lofty abode. But God will redeem my life from the power of Sheol, for he will take me. Do not be afraid when a man gets rich, when the wealth of his house increases. For when he dies, he will take nothing at all. His wealth will not follow him down. Though he praises himself during his lifetime, and people praise you when you do well for yourself, he will go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light, a man with valuable possessions, but without understanding is like the animals that perish. Isaiah chapter 2. The vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nations will not take up the sword against other nations and they will never again train for war. House of Jacob, come and let us walk in the Lord's light for you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of divination from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. They are in league with foreigners. Their land is full of silver and gold, and there is no limit to their treasures. Their land is full of horses, and there is no limit to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So humanity is brought low, and man is humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from his majestic splendor. Human pride will be humbled and the loftiness of men will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. 
for a day belonging to the Lord of hosts is coming against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up. It will be humbled against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the high mountains, against all the lofty hills, against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against every ship of Tarshish, and against every splendid sea vessel. So human pride will be brought low, and the loftiness of men will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. The idols will vanish completely. People will go into the caves in the rocks and holes in the ground away from the terror of the Lord and from His majestic splendor when He rises to terrify the earth on that day People will throw their silver and gold idols which they made to worship to the moles and the bats. They will go into the caves of the rocks and the crevices in the cliffs away from the terror of the Lord and from His majestic splendor. When He rises to terrify the earth, Put no more trust in man who has only the breath in his nostrils. What is he really worth? Since the law has only a shadow of Hebrews chapter 10. Since the law has only a shadow of the things to come and not the actual form of those realities, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers, once purified, would no longer have any consciousness of sins, but in the sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not want sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, See, it is written about me in the volume of the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, you did not want or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I 
have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after having one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he is open for us through the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. For if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. If anyone disregards Moses' law, he dies without mercy, based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God? regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted 
the spirit of grace. For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember the earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way, for you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves have a better enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. If he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life.